The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get uniquely yours ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. Valentine's Day edition of the PFF forecast because there's nothing you'd rather do with the special someone in your life than listen to the PFF forecast. So we're going to give you a special happy Valentine's Day wish from the most important people in your football life. We're going to have an elite quarterback discussion. Elite. We're going to talk about some things that we've seen on the dark web. We have some AAF. Apparently they're still playing. And then our uh, team previews roll on with the number two pick in the NFL draft, San Francisco 49ers. Let's rock. All right. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, man. I left you a Valentine's Day card you did. on your desk. It is from the Chiefs, and it has Tyreek Hill on it. And I thought... That's perfect. Well, as you know, being in a a long-term relationship yourself and, you know, me being married, you have to put up with the hills to get the Mahomes, which is the other side of the card. This is fair. Now, I don't know if you have to put up with the hills. That's, a, I think, a little bit aggressive. I just don't know if if that's the case. There are Kareem Hunts in your life that you discard. There are the Tyreek Hills that you rehabilitate. And there, and there's the real gift, which is the Pat Mahomes. Well, you got to my next one, which is also Happy Valentine's Day from the Cleveland Browns, who signed Kareem Hunt just in time to get him to Cleveland for this special day. Mm-hmm. That couldn't make more sense from a football perspective. Can you explain this at all? No. Okay. Neither can I. I think it's ridiculous. I know that it's like a six. Here's the funny thing. So it's a super small contract, right? It's like one year, <laughs> 645K. You see that and you're like... Could do something with six forty five. I could do that. The I only could reason potentially it, not assault someone for six hundred and forty five k. The the, uh, the drive of GMs and coaches to reacquire players they once fell in love with is, is so strong on Valentine's on Day. Valentine's that Day. comes back around. The amazing thing is that you would. Sign a player who plays a position that absolutely does not matter. You already have two running backs on your team who are as good, if not better, than he is. And there is a video of this man kicking a woman. Kicking a woman while, while she's down. I, I'm, I'm now all out on the Cleveland Browns. I love Baker Mayfield. We were, uh, we were, this is horrifically We bad. were um, mocked and ridiculed for saying that Kareem Hunt was worth like a quarter of a win. A gr- a, generously over like the Spencer Wares and the Damian right. Williams of the world. And of course, like that came to fruition. Uh, Damian Williams was brilliant, uh, you know, basically down the stretch and, and has gotten himself, I think a reasonable running back contract, which is like two years, eight mil. Right. Uh, um, this is the chiefs. The chiefs show how smart they are in terms of like who they discarded and who they kept, to be honest from a football perspective, it sounds crude, but it's true. Right. Uh, also, happy Valentine's Day from Cowboys fanboy 
Skip Bayless, who tweeted a picture of himself and claimed that he was 5% body fat the entirety of the NFL season. There is video evidence of him. You can go on YouTube and check it out. He's like, does a topless hot tub thing with Kevin Hart, which I don't know how you haven't seen it if, if you haven't. But uh, there is like a negative 5 million percent chance that he's under 5% body fat. The guy's like 67, which is impressive that he's not fat overall. But like, it's ridiculous. So but here's my question. Right, okay. My question is this. More delusional. Skip Bayless being 5% body fat or the Dallas Cowboys thinking Dallas. Dak, Dak Prescott is Dallas. the future. Dallas. The, the, thing, the thing you and Neil were talking about this in the office today and the entire time I'm just like, yeah, he's just dealing with – he lives in a different universe. So his denominators aren't one. This is 5% of 50 I think what he's trying to say – He might be 10% body fat, but he just changes the denominator. Yeah. He'd be better off, he'd be better off saying like 99th percentile for my age <laughs> or something. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, all right. That was Valentine's Day. Hope you have a good one. By the way, Valentine's Day, the most overrated like fake holiday? Um, no. Does your wife enjoy Valentine's Day? Is she excited about it? I mean, it's different when you have kids and stuff because then you got to make all the cards for all the other kids in the class. Oh, Remember that? Yeah, that's a thing. That's a th- wow. Well, that's right. You were homeschooled, so like, but in like the elementary school, you have to like make like thirty cards. You go like, like "Hey, Johnny, I hate you." Three hundred sixty-four days of the year, but today I'm going to get you a Valentine. Wow! And that those little like candies that Did, say was like that the case in your day going to yes. school. Yeah, I didn't. I was homeschooled until high school, and in high school you didn't do that. <laughs> no, you didn't. So. Um, uh, I think I think personally Father's Day overrated. All I want is a nap. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Valentine's Day is pretty overrated. Um, which I have always thought my girlfriend agreed with until I brought it up this year for some reason. <sighs> yeah, not going to visit tonight apparently is a big issue. I'm flying to DC tomorrow. Who cares? It's whatever. All right. Um, next slipping. up, elite quarterback discussions. Let's start with Joe Flacco. Traded for a fourth-round pick. He goes to the Denver Broncos. Is your favorite thing about this people trying to galaxy-brain their way into John Elway and the Broncos being next-level geniuses? I mean, I don't actually th- – I think only the, the silly people are are saying that. Like the Matt, Mike Francesca's of the world are like, you know, we've got we to pay attention to this. John Elway's doing something – I'm like, we have been paying attention for 10 years, and he's gotten like one thing right the entire time, and it was difficult to get wrong. Um, I mean, Mike Francesca. That is the greatest <laughs> but thing the, I've ever heard. The thing, the thing that triggered a lot of people was this idea. So I, I tweeted out basically like last season was a five-quarterback draft. The right. Broncos held the fifth pick. And in reality, they held the fourth pick because Cleveland wasn't going to take two. Mm-hmm. And they ended up signing Case Keenum prior to the whole draft process. They didn't trade back. They got an edge player who was a decent player by his own right. But ultimately, like... They just completely mismanaged the situation. And, of course, like you sign a quarterback and they're like, hey, don't worry about Keenum. It's just a two-year deal. And the guy literally doesn't make it through the second year in the deal. It's just, you know, and, and I think the same thing like with Flacco. Like, you know, teams will sign, like, the team signed Matt Schaub to, to play ahead of uh, Derek Carr that first year. The team signed, uh, you know, Matt Flynn to play ahead. Of, you know, and it's like these guys don't even make it to, like, the bridge. Tyrod Taylor made it to two and a half games. 
And it's just like this, this whole situation is is really funny. And it does show like what people like fundamentally don't necessarily understand about the value of quarterbacks and what generates winning in the, in the NFL. And then that's having an elite quarterback on a rookie deal or an elite quarterback on an expensive deal. And the only way to get to that, except for nine, you know, 1% of cases is to draft a guy. This is correct. The best thing uh, that, that I've seen so far are fans of the Broncos and John Elway that are rationalizing not trading down last year. And people not understanding that keeping your pick and not trading down can be a bad move yeah. is, is sort of frustrating. Like Bradley Chubb is fine, whatever. But if you're not going to take a quarterback, your team sucks. You have to trade down because you, the, the value is so much greater there. And it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what you think of Josh Allen. It doesn't matter what Denver thinks of Josh Allen. It matters what Buffalo thought of Josh Allen and what they were willing to give up for him. Well, here's that was the, the other point thing. too. Like, it also doesn't matter what you think of Bradley Chubb because this whole idea we talk about it a lot. The idea that you are the one that's figured it out. Look, many GMs have come before me. They've swung and they've missed, but I, right. I get it. it. Hubris in drafting. And the NFL draft in particular is absolutely hilarious. No one knows anything. It's a complete crapshoot. You're an idiot if you have such a high level of hubris that you can't trade down because you think you've picked the right guy. There is a huge amount of volatility no matter how confident you yeah. are. And you need to hold as many lotto tickets as possible. So that's hilarious. The whole Flacco thing in general is a unifying uh, – <laughs> Storyline, except for a few people. The, even yeah. the run game truthers can say this is a stupid move. I mean, Joe Flacco is at best a mid to low twenties quarterback. He was twenty third from a clean pocket in terms of PFF grade last year. And here's the thing that would worry me: so Case Keenum was bad last year, but he dealt with a Broncos offensive line that was not great. Watching Garrett Bowles pass protect on the left side is perhaps one of the most gruesome things you can possibly watch and i like garrett bowles but it was really horrific Mm -hmm. uh keenum had a quicker time to throw than joe flacco they were both in the two low two fives which is below average but keenum faced pressure 10 percent more often than joe flacco so that is not something that joe flacco deals well with and so i would not expect him to be better than he was last year given that he will in all likelihood face less advantageous situations people often overlook keenum's strengths because of his weaknesses we saw that with minnesota keenum for all of his faults was very good at avoiding pressure and when cousins came into the fold from minnesota cousins is better in a lot of instances but he was worse at the thing that keenum covered up the best and i think that flack was is similar in this case the deep the deep accuracy the big arm is such a it's an unbelievable storyline given there's just no evidence it's like running it. backs no evidence it's beautiful of it being to true. throw a deep ball uh, he, he was 10 percent below average on accuracy throwing 20 plus yards downfield and that's using the ball exact ball location that's not good um i don't know he had decent receivers last year too so i know he didn't play a ton he looked decent in the the steelers game um he looked decent in the, in the Bengals game, actually, like later mm-hmm. in the game. Um, but whatever. The, the point is, if you're a Broncos fan and this changes what you do in the draft, you're an idiot. Which brings me to the thing I saw on the dark web that I thought was really funny. I think it was Bovada, and I might be getting this wrong, actually lowered the Broncos Super Bowl odds after this trade. From Perfectly 100- rational. 
okay, I get where you're coming from. It's perfectly rational, but I also don't agree with it. I don't think they actually have worse odds now than they did with Case Keenum. Unless, so there are two explanations for this. The first is this book, this sports book, just wants to go viral. And that's an easy way to do it. And if so, good for them. That's smart. The second is, the only way that I think you can rationalize this is you say, okay, now the chances that John Elway and the Broncos don't pick a quarterback that's it. has dec- or the chance that they pick one has decreased and so their odds of actually becoming a reasonably decent team have decreased. That's the only way it makes sense. Take Baltimore for example, last season like when Lamar yep. Jackson came in, it added a novelty that increased their Super Bowl odds. It's right. the same idea. We talked about this. So you're in agreement with me. Yeah, I think that's the 100% the reason is that um, they're a known average commodity. There's no fat tail anymore. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. From Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt. Look, they, still investigating <laughs> uh, the Kareem Hunt thing. Need a couple more. We need some conclusive evidence. Lucive. I uh, need to see the all 22 before Lucive. I can really tell whether the kick was folks, bad or not. Folks, folks. I need to see different angles. We have pylon cam. Come on. Can't see all the players on the field. Don't know what the coverage looks like. You went a little downfield. Romo there. Come on, come on. Oh, Jim. Jim. Jim, I don't know. Speaking of Valentine's Day. <sighs> Tony Romo has got to start doing golf with Jim Nance. They got to pick a tournament and let him do it because it would be, it'd be pretty great. He's, I mean, Nick Faldo. Don't get me started. All right. Uh, next up, we've got the AAF. On a scale of 1 to 10. Your enjoyment from the AAF in week one was what? Uh, four. Ooh. So, four. so four higher than you, but no, I mean, and I'm a pretty easy guy to please. It was tough to watch in terms Happy of Valentine's Day. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a tough thing to watch in terms of. So one of the things we talked about the other day was when quarterback play is bad, you notice the drops a lot more right. because there's so many fewer accurate passes. So like when Hack throws one into the stands, throws yeah. another one to his to the head coach, and then he finally hits the tight end down the seam with a perfect pass and the guy yep. clanks it off his face mask, you notice it because the three and outs happen. 16% of passes in the first week were dropped in the AF versus like six in the NFL. And so you just saw it. And then what was, what was interesting was all the over-unders prior to the games, you, you you could reason it out, right? Two-point conversions, faster uh, play clock, no kickoffs, right? So you're going to have better field position on average. All the over-unders were above 50, and now they're all relatively near like the 42-45 range. And that was because all the games except for the last one went under by a mile. So uh, I thought that was interesting. We've done a little bit of elofication of the AF, but uh, we'll, we'll wait a, a week or two before we like sort of release those, I guess. <sighs> gotta wait well look the more we can trim down the, the viewers to like the true <laughs> the diehards true. i'm very interested to see the tv ratings the second week because they were pretty decent given everyone wanting to see football and hackenberg and all yeah. this stuff and now it's like okay hackenberg still sucks mike martz clearly did not prepare for the 21st century um his time in san francisco unlike 99 percent of people made him less progressive i mean 
That was incredible. Um, the the thing that doesn't make sense to me about the AAF, and maybe this will change in week two, and if so, it could be more exciting, is, okay, you're playing in the AAF for one reason and one reason only. You suck. You're coaching in the AAF for one reason and one reason only. You sucked. Well, So, if your goal is to make it back to the place that you want to be, which is the NFL, I might sit down and think to myself, self, how do people currently get jobs in the NFL? Well, you either know Sean McVay or you've actually done something different, ingenuitive, maybe something college-esque, Cliff Kingsbury-esque. Do something different. Also, who gets noticed? People that make quote-unquote bold calls, Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl. So why teams are showing up and punting on fourth and one, running the ball 700 times, not trying new things, doing completely different radical stuff blows my mind especially given you have to know the players that you have suck more than usual well that to me that's the thing is that i think everything so in the nfl quarterback is king when you throw that out of the you know out of there you know other things are going to be marginally more you know important and i think catching the football we saw that coaching i i think one of the so one of the big failures of the league was retreading guys like Mike Singletary and Mike Martz and Dennis Eric. Like literally every guy that's ever coached for the 49ers is, is in the AAF. And like that's a, that's a tough one. I agree with you on ratings. So the, the weird thing about this week is none of the games are on CBS. All the games are either on NFL Network or CBS Sports Network. So it's going to be tough, I think, for them to generate the type of ratings that they got last week with none of the games on network TV. That's going to be rough. Uh <clears throat> what else is going on this weekend? So there's like the NBA All-Star game. Well, there's that too. That's a tough one. That'll probably be tough to beat. And Tiger is playing. So chances of me watching the AF. The over-unders in this week's AF games have all gone down by multiple points since they, re- they were released on Odd Shark like two days ago. Here's what I will say about the AF. You are probably better off following simply out of data curiosity, in which case you can go to ProFootballFocus Focus. and we can make it happen for you. You don't have to watch the games. You can simply get a subscription, still pretend you're watching the games by tweeting out things like, this guy sucks, look at this, <laughs> right? Um, so, profballfocus.com has you covered. All right, we done with the AAF? Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about there? Nope. <sighs> Thank God. All right. It's going to be tough for me. We're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. So, team reviews, we are going to go pick by pick. We went with the Arizona Cardinals last week. Um and uh oh you know what we forgot in our let's talk about murray at the very end let's talk about murray at the very end oh you just want to push him off to the side well that's what the that's what the draft community is doing fine listen you already got me jacked up about the niners okay Okay? i'm just trying to not talk about the niners all right so we're going to talk about the niners uh very disappointing season i was planning to go to atlanta where the players play. Where the players play. To watch them against the Patriots. The Patriots made it there. The Niners did not. Um, yeah, Jimmy G. Why don't, you, why don't you talk about him? I can't do this. Well, like the Cardinals, we were halfway decent picking their games this year. I think we the only one we lost was week one where we backed them plus six and a half against Minnesota. George Kittle dropped that deep wheel route that probably would have covered the spread in that game. Um we faded them three other times, and they were all victorious, including Eli Manning taking the next step on Monday Night Football with Tess, Witt, and Boog. 
Um, we had them projected at 8.19 wins. Their over-under was 8.5. Obviously, they went under much because of the injury to Garoppolo. Uh, offense and defense, both in the 20s. Um, they were 19th in rushing EPA, but just 21st in passing EPA on offense. And then they ended up 23rd overall. Defense, they really struggled, I think, in a, in a pretty predictable place for us, which is pass defense. They give up 0.17. EPA per pass play, which was what we sort of expected as their one Achilles heel last year. Just drive the stake into my heart. This team was so frustrating to me, and it started with a draft last year taking a 40-year-old right tackle. Inhumanely stupid. Um, (laughs) Derwin James was the obvious pick. I was losing my mind when he was available. We were in that room over there, and and I think there was an audible F word that was yelled. Perhaps more than one. I wrote an article where I tried to be kind to John Lynch. Uh, it was a mistake. They should have taken Derwin James. They should have traded down. All of those things better than taking Mike McGlinchey. Their pass defense sucked. Their, uh, Their two least valuable players were secondary players, Akello Witherspoon and Adrian Colbert. They're going to end up overpaying Mike McGlinchey to at some point play left tackle, which he probably won't be uh, better at than he is at playing right tackle. Um, so that's frustrating. The good news is that they have now two Georges that are elite, myself and George Kittle. George Kittle, best tight end in the NFL. Most valuable, I believe, at 1.8 wins above replacement. DeForest Buckner. Round up, 1.9. Let's get as many wins as possible here. DeForest Buckner, Nick Mullins, Matt Breida, Eric Armstead, Joe Staley, their most valuable players this year. Obviously, Mullins was a very good surprise. I think he'll have a, a long career as sort of a backup quarterback in the mold of uh, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Nick Foles, uh, what's the guy for the the uh, Chase Daniel, those kind of guys. So he carved out a nice niche. I think even though Shanahan and Soleil were kind of like they fell a little bit in our coaching rankings, I do think Mullins is a great feather in uh, Shanahan's cap in terms of being able to take uh, a difficult situation. At least, you know, they were obviously they, the outcomes were not something that a Niners fan would like, but they were entertaining in all their games. They They rarely were blown out. Uh, which I think is a testament to some of the talent that they have, but also their coaching. Um, one of the things that they probably should improve on, look at their decisions, 34 fourth downs were going for it, would have been the right move. They went for it six times. That was the fifth worst in the NFL. They gave up about two touchdowns worth of points on those decisions. So, Are you saying that's bad? Pretty bad. <laughs> no, it's not. The reason that's not bad is that their goal is not to win games with Nick Mullins, a quarterback. Their goal was to lose games. This is a further to use your phrase, feather in the cap of Kyle Shanahan. The first they did being, lose to the Cardinals twice. The first being that Nick Mullins uh, like broke the record for yards after catch <laughs> for a completion. Well, nobody told, told George Kittle to fall down in any of those right? plays, so None I don't know how, how strong of a pull Shanahan had. I mean, look, the, he exerted his will where he could, but um, Nick Mullins is a pretty average quarterback twice the rate of turnover-worthy plays compared to big-time throws. He was 15th in grade from a clean pocket, which, you know, is decent. Um, but I think the, the big key here is that he benefited greatly from players making plays after the fact. I'll pull it up. I think he got over seven uh, yards after catch per completion, um, which was above Mahomes even, yeah, yeah. which is incredible. Um, the, the thing about Shanahan not going for it on fourth down a bunch. And I talked about this um, with a few different 49ers fans, our friend Oscar, for example, is 
Um, that is the perfect place if you're a coach to make suboptimal decisions, right, right, help right. your team, because no one is going to pick up yeah, on it. Yeah, that's right. Right? No one's ever going to call you out for it. And you want your players aren't going to call you yeah, out yeah. for it. Because you can explain it as, oh, I'm trusting my defense, or oh, yeah, I'm not trying to put you in positions to fail, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Right. It is the perfect place to tank um, if, uh, if, you, if you are inclined. So, cap space. Did you like the. Uh, no, you're you're trying to move on from my Nick Mullins shade. The last thing I was going to mention is that he was not in any way above average from an accuracy standpoint. He did not go downfield very often. Yeah. The people screaming about Nick Mullins being as good as Jimmy Garoppolo are peasants and should go away. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, what he showed is that he can he can run an offense that's well constructed, which is a good thing for a backup. All right, on to next year. Cap space. <laughs> How do you spell that? <laughs> um, so what they they've actually done a, <laughs> they've done a pretty good job with uh, free like obviously Garcon. It sounded like the the news is coming out. They're going to let him go. They're really only free agents that I think they would want back are special teams guys. Robbie Gold, Brad Pinion, uh, Raheem Mostert's a pretty good player in that realm. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Ward is a veteran player who's played for them before, but ultimately they don't have a lot in the way of guys that they can't lose. And they have about $61 million in, in, in free cap space. So they can go out and make plays for you know free agents. Like They could probably sign one of the top guys, the Earl Thomases of the world, the Grady Jarrett's of the world, the Bryce Callahan's. Um, but what people, one of the things that people are discussing, which I think is pretty hilarious, is this idea that they're going to go after Le'Veon Bell. So who's discussing that? Well, I saw it on the ESPN. Right. Bill Barnwell was the only person I saw. Right, but he's Bill, just trying to trigger people. But but listen, Garoppolo can't move. He can't run with the ball in his hands per Bill Barnwell. So they have to get somebody who can, George. This is this is true. I've heard the Antonio Brown rumor more than I had the Le'Veon Bell one. Which and that it, one actually makes sense. Kind of, right? I mean if you're going to invest, if you're going to overpay someone, at least let it be someone that's going to help your team win, right? They also just signed Jarek McKinnon, who has less wear and tear than Le'Veon. I would rather have Jarek McKinnon than Le'Veon yep. Bell, given the sure. price you're going to have to pay. Plus, Le'Veon Bell has Houston Texan written all over him. <laughs> Miami. The the uh, I'd rather have Matt Burita than both of them, to be honest. Yes, I, there's no reason for them to go out and get a running back if they're going to spend money. Earl Thomas, I think, makes sense. Jason McCourty, uh, they have to get help in the secondary. I mean, they have to. So, what about what about a guy like Adam Humphreys or Cole Beasley? We saw we saw that slot position sure. for them struggle. And they'll Trent, be cheap. Trent Taylor was not great last year. Having a guy Garoppolo loved throwing to Trent Taylor during 2017. Yeah, I think Trent Taylor could be fine. Yeah, but Adam Humphreys and Cole Beasley will be undervalued in free agency. I like the Bryce Callahan thing. They've struggled in the slot recently. Yeah, um, I mean, so, they struggled everywhere. Derwin James. All right, so let's talk draft. So hold on. What would you offer up for Antonio Brown? Uh, A pick that I would get from another team pre-draft in a trade for the number two overall pick. Right, which would be like what? Like a high two. Oh, you would. You'd give up a high two. I wouldn't give up a one, but I would give up a, a high two. Hmm. I mean, so so what are you going to get out of like what is what are you, what are you going to get from Antonio Brown? Like let's say like the same kind of idea 
of you know some of these legit receivers who are falling off a little bit, which I would assume we agree on Brown doing that, go somewhere rejuvenated for like one or two years. If you got two years of Antonio Brown as a 1.5 wins above replacement player, to me that's worth a second round pick. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's worth it. I don't know, like especially if so. Our opinion is right that the Rams are good, but eventually that window is going to close a little bit. The Seahawks, I think, are going to fall off. The the Arizona's got a long way to go. They're, the NFC is not necessarily as deep as it was last year. I think the Niners do have an opportunity to compete this year with Garoppolo yeah. and with their coach in place and all that kind of stuff. That to me, Brown is is a guy. I mean, can you? I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm thinking of like what Shanahan did with like the Julio Joneses yeah. of the world, and I'm. I don't doubt that he would be great with them, and that Shanahan would do him. He would undoubtedly do a better job than anyone did with him in in Pittsburgh. My worry is that it would be so you get this great production out of Brown for one or two years, but that's like the one or two years before you get all the young pieces together. So I think it depends if they go all out, a la the Rams, right? They go get like Earl Thomas, they trade a couple. You know, if they do that, then I think it does make sense. Yeah. But if their plan is to continue simply rebuilding, that hopefully that then they would have a little bit of a longer yeah. view. Now that being said, they drafted a guy who was forty five last year in the first round, so maybe yeah, they, they are have in Richard win now, Sherman but. playing corner. They have some remnants of a team with veterans who want to win now, right? right. And and look, they have receiver talent. A lot of that is Kyle Shanahan talent. Um, and a lot of it would be enhanced substantially if they were the number two. Marquise Goodwin would be a very good amazing. number two player who never faced double coverage, who would never, you know. They, they have, I like Pettis and Goodwin, and both those guys would fit the sort of Taylor Gabriel role way better than Taylor Gabriel ever Muhammad did. Muhammad Sanu, similarly. Shanahan, here's the thing. Shanahan doesn't need a number one guy to have a top five offense. We've seen that. But... But when he did, when given the opportunity, Antonio Brown, Darius Gunter is still having nightmares. Okay, so they have the number two pick. There's no doubt in my mind that they should trade the number two pick. If they don't, I think they've got to look at you know what Nick Bosa, Quinn and Williams. That just doesn't sound it sucks near, though, right? It, it sounds just, so much worse than trading down. And when you consider the fact that there are the Raiders there at four. Right there are the Dolphins potentially trying to move up. The Giants could be trying to move up. How not, funny would that be, by the way? Not trading down is a suboptimal bad decision. People need to start realizing that that Forty ers are in a perfect situation to trade down. One of the scenarios that you put up here using our draft pick trade simulator, which is awesome, uses PFF WAR and a lot of math to basically tell you the distribution of who wins certain trades. And the option of two for four and 24 from Oakland, which, by the way, seems like less than you could actually get from them. Yeah, for sure. But if you have an opportunity to pick up a 24th pick, the difference between two and four is zero. It's zero. You get an extra player. You Mm -hmm. can't cover anybody. They well, should do that. And what would be the what would be the best? So I, I put down DeAndre Baker, a cornerback from Georgia, Greedy Williams, quarterback from LSU. Yep. I think they'd be extremely happy with those guys. Getting those guys at four is such a better play than just like reaching for them at two. And and you get, as you said, that extra player there to enhance whatever you want to do. The safety position, the linebacker position, they lost Ruben Foster, right? That's a first mm-hmm. round pick. You're not getting back. You know, I, I Valentine's Day. <laughs> I, I like I like that and and so the Raiders are obviously a choice. I think haven't seen the video yet. 
Can't judge. The, Welcome to DC. The Dolphins are another sort of low key. Dolphins carry the 13th pick. There's some rumors that they're, they're saying they're going to do what the Niners did in 17, which is play a guy like Brian Hoyer all year. Yep. You know, uh, you know, send a sit on the year, wait for something to happen. But if they were inclined to go up and get Murray, uh, they would also be something. There was a, I think, a combination of something like th- this year's 13th overall pick, next year's one, a three, and a two two next year would would be basically an even trade so if you're the Niners you're thinking about stockpiling players that would be a a place to go well here's the thing the the, one of the cool pieces of the trade simulator that we have is you can say whether a team picks a quarterback with that Mm -hmm. pick and that drastically changes the distribution because quarterbacks have such a higher ceiling also they have higher variance higher variance but that means that sort of both teams can theoretically win a trade. And for the Raiders, right, things are a little bit more in their favor given they would take a quarterback at yeah. two. But this, the reverse is true for the Niners. They would get less out of that pick by not taking a quarterback. They don't need a quarterback, so you should trade down. It, look, they could get probably, if, if they play their cards right, the four, the 24, and a first next year even – if a, you know, if yeah. the Niners the discount rate on first round picks in the marketplace is substantially higher than what it should be, so in theory you could. The only difficult thing there is if Gruden is as smart as we kind of, we don't think he's like we don't think he's an idiot, right? If he's as smart as as he could be, he might know that and not surrender that sec- secondary one. Yes. In which case, you'd have to go to the to the Dolphins to do so. Here's the other thing: you have to gauge how. You know, how much do you like that one quarterback, yeah. right? So if uh, – first off, okay, so let's talk about this. The, the Cardinals should take Kyler Murray. 100%. He's declared they should take Kyler Murray. If they don't, all of a sudden Kyler Murray becomes available. That opens up the value for that pick. So you can even wait until sort of the Cardinals show their hand. Well, that's what's different about this year because I think if there were two quarterbacks available in this draft that people wanted – the Niners are in the same position as the Colts, right. where they can get this trade and, and stockpile early, you know, March. But I think, I, as you do, this this trade's probably going to have to wait until the day of the draft because of because of where Murray falls. I'm with you. I think Murray should be the number one overall pick. We I think. Said, by the way, we said this four weeks ago. Yeah, we had it on a video. Yeah, I mean, our our stance, I think, is that Murray is good enough to be the number one pick, but he's not good enough to turn down the farm for. Whereas we thought Mayfield probably good enough to turn down the farm for. Yeah, it's interesting. There, I think Kyler Murray is the best dual threat. And what I mean by that is the best passer-runner combo. He's good at both things better than we've ever seen yeah. anyone be before. And I wrote down a couple of my favorite takes on why Kyler Murray <laughs> can't play in the NFL. Um, look, uh, actually, th- this one is that he can. Being short doesn't predict a la- lack of success. It doesn't. Look at all the short quarterbacks that have had success, like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. You're an idiot for trying to use that as a reason for him to be successful. There's a lot of survival bias in this data, a too. A lot. A lot. The other one is taller players have more passes batted down. Okay, great. Bat- passes are batted at like a, you know, what, 3%, 2% rate. It's ridiculous. Who cares? Um, he will get beat up because of his size is another one of my favorites. The guy's like 200 pounds. Kirk Cousins plays quarterback in the NFL, and you're complaining about Kyler Murray getting beat up? Give me a 
break, man. That's pathetic. His, there are so many NFL players that get hit harder than quarterbacks. In fact, every single NFL player, punters get hit harder than quarterbacks. Punt returner is the size of Kyler Murray on a skinny day, and they get hit more than... Complaining about a guy getting beat up in a league who is doing everything to protect that position is an absolutely hilarious take. The league has been never been more conducive to what Kyler Murray offers. Exactly. So, so this like... Is, so this is the other thing. The so time, I, time is now if it's going to be at any other time. So what uh, we went and did is adjusted. Uh, we tracked ball location accuracy for all college quarterbacks. And there's a big difference in scheme, what quarterbacks face, pressure, clean, how far they throw the ball, where they throw it, how good of a defense they face, how good their offense is. So adjusting for all of those things is, is tricky. You need to use some mathematical modeling to do so. And uh, basically, we took all of the guys from 2016 through this year's draft class, adjusted for all of those things that I mentioned, including wide receiver separation, uh, type of route, whether he's in or out of the pocket, play action, pressure, all the stuff, whether he's hit. Baker Mayfield is at the top of everything. He's at the top of accuracy above what you'd expect. He's at the top of avoiding uncatchable passes more than you'd expect. Whether you filter by clean pocket, whether you look in the pocket, whether you look down the field, it does not matter. Baker Mayfield, head and shoulders above everyone else. But guess who's in number two just about every way you slice it? Kyler Murray. I'm more focusing on Gardner Minshew because his stats are hilarious. But yeah. (laughs) But like everyone else has some sort of weakness here or there. Kyler Murray, the only place where he really, I mean, he's below Baker Mayfield. And it really shows up when you look at things from the pocket downfield. His uncatchable percentage, about 8% higher. It's obviously not great. But he's still in second. Right, He is head and shoulders above all of the other guys that we've seen come out, and he did it in college at a big school where, guess what? All these other guys played as well. So if you're going to complain about this guy's size from a production standpoint, you are just either blind, dumb, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong Happy with you. Happy Valentine's Day. People but- are, are really stupid. I don't understand how you can possibly use some of these harebrained well, excuses for why he won't be successful. But it's that's stupid. like... I mean, that's 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 been football. I mean, you, we just saw the running backs don't matter like discussion. It's like people just make stuff up because they've watched a second or two of football, you know. And well, here's the thing. Here's what is crazy to me is say he takes a step back as a passer in the NFL because of his height. Just say that, okay? So say he's you know closer to say Josh Rosen, <laughs> right? You know, we would take Josh Rosen. But here's the thing. Kyler Murray is an elite runner. And yeah. guess what provides value from a running perspective in the NFL? Being a quarterback. Running with the quarterback. He averaged a ridiculous seven yards per designed run attempt at Oklahoma. The guy is an athletic freak. Plus, he can avoid pressure. That is an issue for the Cardinals, for example. Yeah. So these are all things that when we use our grades and all the different things that are predictive from college to the pros he shows out very very well EPA per pass play is is far better than what you would expect from a guy with his completion yards per attempt all that kind of stuff the thing that the thing that I think people need to realize here is the stuff that Murray offers raises his floor yes running and our friend Kevin Cole said you know I think said this first but he said running the foot being a running quarterback people think it's adds volatility but what it does is it increases your yeah. floor because there's going to be a, a play Alex Smith was Mitch that way Trubisky. Alex Alex Smith right play Alex Smith could pick up 
pick up a first down here or there, and and like again, it just we saw this in the AF last week. I would the go, quarterbacks can't move, and if they're not accurate, they're having a bad day. I will go as far. over. I'll go as far as to say this: I would take Baker Mayfield over Kyler Murray for his career, but in year one, I think Kyler Murray offers you the better chance RG3. to win football games. RG3. But unlike RG3, he's not a complete yeah. moron. But you probably could. knows how to slide, yeah, yeah. given that he played baseball. But This is ridiculous. We have to close this out. But uh, we are in lockstep here. We are taking Kyler Murray first. If you are not taking a quarterback and you are not trading down, you are hurting your team's future. We don't. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. And there's a price, I think. Like if you're the Cardinals, you have to rebuild. And so if a team offers you an outrageous amount. But if they don't, Murray's the pick. The pick. All right, we'll be back with you guys next week. More draft content. In the meantime, head to profootballfocus.com and any questions you have, PFF underscore Eric. See you guys.